Welcome to Dig It. I hope you're all having a beautiful Friday morning. Uh, this is the speaker. I'm here with my two lovely ladies, the sharp edge and Corrie Lynn of Corrie's Digs. What's happening? Hey, hey. Scrambling, scrambling. Aren't we all? It's this time, <laughs> it's this time of the year, and it's going to be nuts. It's, it's always be. nuts. It's always nuts this time of the year. It's, it's so, near impossible to keep up with everything going on. This is next level nuts, though. I mean, I know. Is, there's no... <laughs> yeah, there there is no comparison to 2020 version of nuts, right? So. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a crazy timeline, it's a crazy year. But uh, today we're going to touch on uh, we're going to talk about Hunter Biden, YouTube censorship, uh, this Texas lawsuit, uh, Chinese spying. Corey's going to go over a little bit of a COVID report. She's also going to talk about the, uh, the Pentagon and the Pope and the Vatican, and we're going to talk about this crazy bitch that wants to call her soldiers <laughs> on everyone. That's just, she seemed to have copped a bit of trouble for it. Who is it? Cynthia Johnson. Yeah. Crazy, man. That's what demon possession looks like. Right? So, uh-huh. It was creepy. Yeah. Well, let's go into that first, considering we're all... Okay. I love it. We'll get it rolling with this. So there was the Democratic representative, Cynthia Johnson, the other day. that put out a video. From uh, Michigan. From Michigan, invoking her soldiers against racism and against, <laughs> and against conservatives. And it was nuts, man. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, yeah. it's what demon possession looks like. If you ever like, watch those vids. And- straight up, yeah, straight up threatening Trump supporters. You know what to do. Is what she said. With, really. with soldiers out there and, and warning us, we better tread lightly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's crazy. Uh, so uh, the Michigan House of Representatives put this letter out the other day saying, Speaker of the House, Lee Catfield, and Speaker-elect Jason Wentworth uh, today released the following statement on the video released last night by Senator... Uh, by state representative, sorry, uh, Cynthia Johnson on social media. Threats to either Democrats or Republicans are unacceptable and un-American. They're even more unbecoming of the election official. Representative, representative Johnson has been removed from her committee assignments and we are looking into further disciplinary action as a proper authorities conduct their own investigation. This is actually a good start. Yeah, like nothing's going to get done. It's a I know. <laughs> but it, but by least it's good to kind of say something. In like two weeks, she'll be back on the committees. Yeah, we I know. mean, I don't mean to sound like a negative Nilly. You know, I'm normally an, an uh, positive thinker, but I just these people are have become so blatant, and their buddies all just sweep it under the rug for them. We know that, but they didn't need to put something like this out. Yeah, that so. was that was a good statement, though. Hmm. Smart. Uh, we'll see where it goes. <laughs> Smart to cover their <laughs> tracks. Yeah. That, right. That's a good way of putting it, though. They've become emboldened, brazen, confident that there is not going to be any serious repercussions. Mm-hmm. It's like they're they're not afraid to air everything that they're thinking or doing. Um, on social media and you know again like with the uh, the, the the woman who's uh, apparently involved in voter fraud in Georgia you know all of the videos that she took um, during her time working in the uh, you know elections and counting ballots and stuff you know it, it's it's like they just never thought that 
they would ever get in trouble for it because there's never any repercussions. Right. Nothing ever happens. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping that's going to change real fast. And, and, it, and it was eerie to see, like you mentioned before, Edge, her trying to invoke Christ in this uh, in this statement, which is like, Jesus. It's yeah. like, uh, it, Well, I think there were actually two videos that I saw. Uh, one, I didn't see that one. Yeah, this was a separate one, but it was along the same veins where she was calling on her soldiers and they were, you know, all of her different soldiers, you know, soldiers for the movement, soldiers for Christ, she called for. And it really just disturbed me because, you know, uh, as a Christian, that that, that just upset me to to hear that, you know, um, Mm -hmm. call that kind of manipulation um, and use of that in such a evil way really so um yeah it was disturbing anyway Uh, it it, like me even as a non-christian like watching that and seeing that still presented me with an eerie feeling because i know exactly what she's doing uh with this uh sort of manipulation tactic and trying to make it look like they are the you know the godly ones and they are right uh yeah that that even affected me i hate seeing that sort of stuff and it happens a lot yeah it does Well, let me tell you what else is disturbing. I got to go into this Vatican thing since we're on disturbing. So they just released the saying that the Council for Inclusive Capitalism launches partnership with the Vatican. So anyone who thought we were crazy about this whole new world order, one world governance, uh, you know, the 2030 agenda and where everything's going, this pretty much speaks volumes. Lynn, uh, you know, Rothschild is the founder of the council and managing partner. And I got to hang on. I got to reference like three different areas because I can't get to the, uh, I can't read the New York times. And so there's, I have a few different things pulled up, different articles from different sources and they all report on it slightly different, but the members can call themselves the guardians. And we've got Members like the Ford Foundation, Johnson & Johnson, MasterCard, Bank of America, the Rockefeller Foundation, Merck, CalPERS, which CalPERS was in my um, report I did on the whole um, bulk power supply, protecting our energy and grid and all that. And there's a lot of China ties in there. And uh, CalPERS was tied into that one as well. So that was no shock. And then hang on, let me bounce to this other one because there's a whole other list. So they boast over the, the, this council for inclusive capitalism that will serve as a movement to address the economic and environmental needs of the planet and its inhabitants. <laughs> they boast over more than $10.5 trillion in assets under management, companies with over $2.1 trillion of market capitalization and 200 million workers in over 163 countries. Insane! So we've got, we've got, um, you know, Mark Bynoff from Salesforce. There's, I think I already mentioned MasterCard um, and Kenneth Frazier, chairman of the board and CEO of Merck. Of course, Johnson Johnson, Visa, Estee Lauder, uh, BP. Um, I mentioned Bank of America, State Street Corporation. There's, there's just, you know, it's all the clowns. Yeah, and it's, so, it's like finance. Everything that you mentioned there, it seems like finance, energy, mm-hmm. and uh, medicine, medical. 
Oh, yeah. So it consists basically of global companies and organizations which share a mission to harness the private sector to create a more inclusive, sustainable, and trusted economic system. Ah. Uh, yep. The, the partnership with the Vatican signifies the urgency of joining moral, moral, and market imperatives to reform capitalism into a powerful force for the good of humanity. The 27 leading members who refer to themselves as the guardians, uh, the Vatican the Vatican partnership puts the group under the moral guidance of Pope Francis and Cardinal Turkson. Come on now. So, so you guys, I know just recently did a video on um, a bunch of points you were going through on the 2030 agenda. I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but maybe you want to talk about that a little bit because I know you just released that and that directly ties into what, what, what this is going to evolve into. Absolutely. You can tell what they're trying to do is get their ducks in a row. Um, they're moving towards, it looks like, they're moving towards a, a new type of currency. It looks like they want to do a digital currency. It looks like they're trying to move towards a new form of economy from capitalism to more of a socialist uh, type of economy and, and, and socialism. And uh, it's all, it's the 2030 agenda. It's the great reset. It's everything all in one. You can see them putting these pieces into place day by day if you're paying attention. But we did uh, talk a lot about the 2030 agenda in the Hive Mind podcast we just dropped this week. And we really just went through all 17 of their goals and uh, what they say it means and what it actually means. <laughs> so <laughs> that was that was interesting. So that'll be a good. We'll we'll link we'll link that. We'll link this article and we'll link your video underneath too. Yeah, but you yeah, can just see it playing out. Yeah, we we we've been trying to cover the UN for the last uh, last couple of podcasts with the Great Reset and then this one because we believe it's important at the moment because they are really. Uh, I, I, don't th I don't think we've ever seen them in our lifetime make a bigger push than what they're pushing now. So, yeah, definitely got to watch it. Definitely keep an eye on it because that's uh, that's what they're moving towards. Yeah, they're using COVID to do it. I mean, this is their chance. They know this is their chance. They got to move, and you can see them. Just lots of moves being made right now to to get oh, all of yeah. this in a row. Meanwhile, the Pentagon, I don't know if you guys saw this, this just came out uh, Wednesday, that the Pentagon has told the CIA, Central Intelligence Agency, that it plans to end the majority of the military support it provides to the agency's counterterrorism mission by January 5th. Yeah, so well, well, why would you want to provide support to the terrorists? <laughs> right. Right. So they're saying the CIA's special activity center carries out covert operations and has its own parliamentary force that carries out counterterrorism operations. While they act as an independent force, they often rely on the military for transportation and logistical support. And it gets more into it. I'll put a link to this underneath, too, for anyone who wants to check this out. It's, it's, it's an interesting read here. So, And we know that we just saw some some shakeups position changes over in the Pentagon. So, so I find this interesting. Yeah. I was just going to say that, you know, with all of these key positions being filled over there, um, definitely expecting to see more changes coming down the pipe um, as far as 
uh, you know, draining the swamp really <laughs> where it needs right. to be drained. Oh yeah. So where are we at with the Texas lawsuit? Are we up to is it 17 or 20 states that are supporting it now or? Well, at least 18 states, but I think that, you know, there's more that can be and will be adding on to it. We'll see. So this week, just to recap, this week, the, uh, the state of Texas filed a lawsuit against the states of Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, and Wisconsin in the Supreme Court. And since it's a suit between states, there is no lower court that it can go to. That's the beauty of it. It goes straight to the Supreme Court. And what's great about this lawsuit is that it's very specific about the constitutional issues. Rather than getting into the weeds about, you know, proving election fraud, it doesn't even have to prove the election fraud at all. It simply has to show that these four states, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, and Wisconsin, violated the Constitution by not going through the state legislatures to change their state's elections laws. They used other means to change their state's elections laws, like uh, mail-in ballots, signature verifications, dates for receiving and counting ballots, et cetera, et cetera, without going through the lawmakers to do that. And the argument is that this is a, it's a violation of the Constitution. So this is a solid case that really, um, you know, the argument is about this, how the states violated the Constitution and the election process, and in doing so, the way they put their electors up disenfranchises the voters in Texas who actually followed their state law. So everyone, including the president, some legal pundits who have worked for the president, like Jay Sekulow, Jordan Sekulow, they're all saying that this is the big one, the big kahuna here. Uh, so we really need to be watching this one closely. Um, the, it's, they're saying it's the most significant case um, of all the litigation going on right now because it's completely outcome determinative, meaning um, if the court were to rule in Texas's favor, um, the state legislatures would then determine the electors in the states. And we're talking about 62 electoral college votes, which is enough to determine the election. Right. So if the state legislatures don't put up electors, let's say, so they, let's say that the, the Supreme Court rules in favor of Texas and says the state legislatures then put up their electors. If those state legislatures choose not to put up their electors and neither Biden or Trump reach the threshold of electoral college votes uh, to determine the outcome, then it goes to the contingent election, which Congress gets, uh, you know, one vote per state and Republicans control 27 state uh, delegations to the Democrats controlling 21 state delegations, which gives Trump the advantage. So I'm feeling really, really uh, positive about this. Um, one thing to note is that they're not actually asking the Supreme Court to determine the winner of the election. They're simply asking the Supreme Court to determine the unconstitutional way in which these electors were put up in those states and to order that the Constitution is followed in which the state legislatures in those states select the electors. Okay, so that's the differentiation. Okay. And 
Um, since Texas filed this suit, at least 18 states have joined in. So 17 states uh, filed an amicus brief on Wednesday afternoon in support of the Texas suit. Arizona, Arizona joined later. The president has uh, moved to intervene in this case as well. And mm -hmm. meaning this gives Texas the Texas suit more credibility. It's it's not just Texas who has been disenfranchised back, but it's backed by, uh, you know, a third of the country uh, standing up and saying, you know, plus the president standing up and saying this. Right. So, so it's, it's definitely a really strong case. And um, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, and Wisconsin have until Thursday uh, or had until Thursday to respond to these claims, and we should know by Friday when this podcast airs, um, and early <laughs> next week, uh, we should know more. Um, we always miss the bombshells Thursday night. It's so frustrating. I know, right? I know. <laughs> and I then mean, we're going to publish uh, in the morning, early. Like, shoot! Something always drops. Yes. Yeah, we'd like to change. Yep. The, the Thursday night bombshells. Mm -hmm. Things are happening so rapidly. Meanwhile... Electors are already being seated. Next week on the 14th, they're scheduled to vote. So, I mean, the, the timeline on this is crazy um, how quickly uh, they've got to move on this. But we'll see. I th the, the court may actually order to push back that date for the electors to vote. Uh, we'll see on that. My prediction, I mean, my best guess really here is that the court's going to push back the date of the election for the electors. And right. I personally think that Thomas, Alito, Kavanaugh, Comey Barrett, Gorsuch are going to rule five to four in favor of Texas. What do you guys think? Uh, well, we can hope. I'm just going to watch this play out. <laughs> you always say that. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't, I don't like to go one way or another until I really know. Yeah. Let's see, this is a... It's a so I was just living on a dream, man. No, it's not. So it's a, a black and white case. It's just about constitutionality. Did they violate oh, the constitution or not? And it's an awesome, clearly it's an awesome they did. Awesome. Yeah. So I think that I think we got a really good chance here, guys. I'm feeling I think really positive. We have a really good shot. Yeah, I do. I'm feeling it's pretty a, good. It's a, it's, a, it's a very clever lawsuit. It's very well put together. Yeah. It's pretty pretty much the, the the one I have the most hope for, actually. Yeah. yeah. All right, it's getting good. It's getting good. <laughs> so, uh, Swalwell. <laughs> <laughs> who, who Pelosi just said, uh, I missed it. I, I saw a clip, but I didn't have the audio on. Um, everyone's tweeting out, though, that she, she said that Kevin McCarthy is trying to distract from the fact that he has QAnon in his party, that this was... In, like her, I guess her response to some questions on Eric Swalwell revelations or something to that effect. So I missed, I missed that little sound bite. That's pretty funny. And did you guys see, I didn't have a chance to read it through, but the, um, the, who was it? A bunch of senators put together a request to FBI director Ray to investigate the whole QAnon movement and, yeah, I heard. I, heard I just kind of did a quick glance through it. I didn't read the whole thing. Uh, knowing Ray, he'll put that just at the top of his list because, you know, right. pri priorities. So. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. It'll be like the first thing he does. He'll work on it for six months. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Oh, Swalwell. Well, okay, so recap on Swalwell. This week, it just dropped that he had a personal relationship with a known Chinese spy. And this lady was a bundler raising money for him and support for him uh, and his campaigns from early on, uh, helping him get elected. And she even installed an intern in his office who may have also been a spy. Um, She's since fled the country to avoid FBI investigation. (laughs) Okay, so Eric Swalwell sits on the House Intel Committee. And we don't even know yet what classified intelligence this spy, Christine Fang, could have collected from him. Rick Grinnell this week was stating that, um, you know, we now need to know if Swalwell's been compromised. And remember, Swalwell has, over the entire Trump administration, he's perpetuated this lie that Trump's a Russian agent and downplayed, really downplayed and laughed off the China threat. So you have to wonder how much influence this spy had on him. Obviously a lot. Uh, Grinnell and many others are calling for Swalwell to be removed from the House Intel Committee and um, for there to be an investigation into whether Swalwell has been compromised. And there have been some unconfirmed reports at this point uh, that he's already been removed. Nothing, nothing confirmed yet. Still in the rumor category. Um, oh, we know he's been compromised. Come on. Now, we also, we also know guys are very talkative in bed afterwards. And I bet you he's told her everything. Yeah, and we if know has- how they work. She seduced the shit out of him. It's, it's typical spy shit. And if she had an operative working as an intern in his office, it wouldn't be difficult to collect some information. So, um, but we have other Democrat leaders implicated in this now too. He's come out and said um, that Democrat leaders knew exactly about his relationship with her. Right. And now people like Adam Schiff and Nancy Pelosi are in the crosshairs. And Republicans who sit on the House Intel Committee with Swalwell have said that they were not made aware of this situation, even though hmm. Swalwell was given an FBI defensive briefing briefing back in 2015. So Swalwell, Mm -hmm. Pelosi, Schiff, the Dems, they have been avoiding questions, just as you had said, and deflecting um, about all of this. Um, These questions are, you know, uh, basically about when they learned about this Chinese spy and what they knew. Um, But this news came out on the same week as a viral video that broke that President Trump retweeted, and this video was of a, a man named Professor Di Dejang from China, in which he talked about how China can influence the United States policy because they've basically infiltrated America's core inner circle of power. And when you put all of these pieces of the puzzle together, it starts to really paint a picture of who's behind the corruption, how these people get compromised, and why they're all in lockstep against Trump. Right. Every, every, everyone has a Chinese spy, right? It's like mandatory <laughs> for any Democrat that gets into a house. Oh, you're elected here. Have your complimentary Chinese spy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You get a spy. You get a spy. You get a spy. <laughs> Everybody gets a spy. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Speaking of Chinese infiltration, we have Hunter Biden news, too. Should I just roll into that and keep all the sure. Chinese? <laughs> okay. I've been, I've been sitting here for the last 10 minutes. Trying, my, my cat keeps circling my desk and messing with my cords and stuff. So I've been distracted. So roll on into it. 
Okay. So basically, we've got some new information this week on Hunter Biden, too. It turns out Hunter Biden has been under investigation since 2018 regarding his taxes and Chinese business dealings. And he's currently under federal criminal investigation. And we know this because the Biden campaign actually came out and pretty much admitted it in a statement. But this goes way deeper than the taxes. It it goes to the heart of the situation and the issue, which is compromised, particularly by China. And we know the Biden family and Biden himself have been compromised by China. Uh, just as this Chinese professor this week uh, had said in that video. And clearly there's been an effort by the Democrats, by the media, by social media to cover it up in hopes to get Biden in office. And even the three, three letter agencies have been helping to cover this up. They didn't do anything prior to the election, knowing this, knowing that there was an investigation since 2018 into Hunter Biden. Um, you know, and, and the reason is because I believe that they're compromised too. So, um, just as this Chinese uh, professor admitted in his speech, uh, the Chinese have really worked very hard, not just for the past few years, but probably for decades, to infiltrate uh, every area um, and in politics and in business. Um, Mm -hmm. in order to compromise um, and spy, really. So it's big. It's big. I think that it really all, all of these stories come together to create a big picture of what we're really up against here, doesn't it? Well, yeah. And, you know, I'm like scrolling through my um, Twitter feed because I know there were some other things that dropped this week that I just, I've been very sidetracked, very sidetracked. My poor doggy had to go in and have teeth removed and, oh my God, trying to get him to eat soft food. You'd think that would be easy, but it's not. So that's been a little distracting, but I knew there were some other things. And on December 8th, let me just see, make sure this was actually when this dropped. So December 8th, Fox published an article saying uh, GOP Ken Buck calls for Hunter Biden special counsel in letter to Barr. Now, I don't know if that, I knew that was going to do that. I hate these little news things. I don't know if that was before or after. I don't remember what day they released that statement. Do you? I don't know. Uh, Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I don't know either. Can't anyway. help you on that one, Corey. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> okay, moving on. Moving on. There's so much to talk about, and we're not even allowed to say certain things because YouTube might boot us. Ugh. Yeah. So we're at the. So we're in this stage again. Um, we knew this was coming. Let's let's be honest. It keeps ramping up, and it keeps getting worse. But now we're at a point where it's really starting. To show its uh, dystopian totalitarian influence, even worse than it was. Um, so YouTube came out the other day and said it's going to ban videos um, alleging widespread voter fraud. So it said in a statement that it's going to start removing this content that falsely, falsely, brackets, alleges that widespread voter fraud uh, changed the, the results of the US election. Now, the update applies to all content, including videos from the president. Uh, The company had previously labeled potential misleading election videos, adding links to accurate information, so their information. Uh, 
Uh, YouTube said enough states have certified their election results to determine a president-elect. Democrats have criticised YouTube for not being for not doing enough to take down fake news and conspiracy theories on the platform. So we we'll see this nice? roll rolling out again. Wasn't <laughs> that nice of YouTube to warn us before they take us down? That that was so nice of them. Yeah, <laughs> at least they gave us a warning. But now, now we're like heading into real dangerous territory here. Like, it's uh, it's getting scary. But I've said this before, and I've said this in the past. And it's one thing I'm incredibly critical of. This is something that should have ha- happened four years ago. There is never any repercussions to these social media giants, uh, so they just keep pushing it further and further. I mean, they get called up towards Congress, they lie, and then they come back and they do things even bigger than it was, right? They get threatened and then they come back and they laugh and they take larger steps than they did. So if no one's going to stop them, uh, which it just seems to be going around in a circle, someone threatens and then they just step up the game. And it's, you know, there has to be some sort of some sort of action taken against them for uh, this non-constitutional behaviour that, 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 that they're doing. And it's just not happening. So if it's not happening, they're just going to keep wrapping it up. Yeah. Um, one good thing this week, and I don't have a whole lot of details on this, I just saw the headline, was the FTC and 48 states have filed suit against Facebook um, but this is for uh, just monopoly, monopoly, being a monopoly. Um, so, but this is the kind of thing we need to see is, um, you know, states uniting and filing suits against these um, big tech giants who have monopolized. And I think that the more we can break them up, the less power they have to control the narrative. Um, I, I don't think we're going to see any movement on Section 230 until there is, yeah, yeah, until there is, you know, a Republican presidency, House and Senate. You know, we've got it. The, everything is riding on this election. Yeah, so, everything. There was one, one tiny little nugget that I just found interesting was the inaugural committee failed to pass simple resolution essentially acknowledging Biden as president-elect after all Republicans opposed. So it's not something I'm terribly familiar with, but she said, um, she said, Hoyer offered the resolution, which failed three to three. Other committee members are Pelosi, McConnell, McCarthy, Blunt, and Klobuchar. The resolution was very basic for folks with knowledge. It would have notified American people that Congress is preparing for inauguration of Biden and Harris in coordination with health experts as we observe this transition of power. So the Republicans all opposed to uh, um, acknowledging Biden as president-elect. So that was, uh, that was a good one. Albeit small, <laughs> it still gives us insight to what's going on over there behind the scenes, you know? Yeah. Oh, what are we going to do? I guess we just keep moving forward. If they take us down, they take us down. That's it. Yeah, it's it's. we're, we're going to keep doing what we're doing. We're not going to change our platform. We're, we're, we're going to do what we can to protect ourselves because I do think it's important to have a voice on whatever social media platform is possible, especially on Twitter and YouTube. But at the same time, Start bit shoot accounts. You don't need to stay there 100% of the time, um, but at least 
start accounts there, follow us there, follow other people there, because old tech is the one that's really, really going to help and will stand as a bastion for free speech in right. this time of need. So yeah. I'm, like, I, I, I know it's hard to transition. It is really hard to transition. Expect, like These platforms, are, as much as you don't like Twitter, as much as you don't like YouTube, they've had a lot of money injected into them. Their platforms are pretty stable uh, compared to others. Uh, I, I know we have trouble on some. I mean, uploading on Rumble is crazy for content creators. It's hard. It's difficult. It takes a long time. Uh, same for BitChute when you're trying to do it independently. But these are all things that we have to do. Um, so if you guys can go there and start accounts there, that helps so much as well. Right. And like my website will never go down because I have the best security set up. So no one's getting to my website. And uh, I have backup upon backup upon backup. So worst case scenario, if we ever do get taken down on uh, YouTube or Twitter accounts, you know, I can always, I can always post our podcasts on there. My cat just said hello. Hello. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say that, that if we ever get taken down off of any one particular um, site or place, then you can find us on others, and it's all centrally located on Corey's Diggs website for her, and then for Speaker and I over on our HiveMind website, h1vem1nd.com. So um, people can always find us, even if YouTube takes us down. We'll keep we'll keep going. We're not going anywhere. Right. That's right. So, gosh, all kinds of stuff going on around the wonderful COVID situation. Um, did you see in Michigan, there were like 400 restaurants that band together to go against the lockdown orders. So I'm, I, I want to follow up on that and see how that plays out, because that's phenomenal. And that's that what is. people need to do. People all need to start banding together and standing up for their rights because, you know what, at this point in the game, anyone who thinks they're risking losing their job or their business, man, you're already there. They've already put you at risk. Many people have already lost it because of them. So if you don't stand up now, you can kiss it goodbye, you know? Unless we see some major drastic changes coming soon, these governors are not going to back down. <clears throat> we need to get these people out. And then in, over in, um, this is insane, a little, a little off topic, but in Garcetti's neck of the woods in L.A., did you see that new L.A. County DA George Gaskin issue a directive to prosecutors that the following misdemeanors will be declined for prosecution. And there's some exemptions in there, but I mean, we're talking like trespassing, disturbing the peace, driving without license, prostitution, resisting arrest, criminal threats, drug possession, minor with alcohol, drinking in public, um, public intoxication, loitering. And there's, there's a bunch more. It's just, it's... <laughs> So all these misdemeanors, ah, just go ahead, party it up, trespass, destroy, do what you want, and go ahead and feel free to resist arrest because we're just not going to take you in anyways. Wow. Right? It's almost like they're ramping up for something. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Like they expect something is about to happen and pop off, which it is. No matter how this election goes, um, it, it's there's going to be stuff happening in the streets. You can guarantee it. So... Mm -hmm. 
So with, uh, I know you just told me, I haven't had a chance to look at it, but you just shared with me this morning the link on um, New York, of course, trying to pass a mandatory vaccine for COVID. So people in New York, pay attention, get on that, fight that. I said back when they did the whole measles thing, um, when I covered the report on that, that that was going to be a test pilot. As soon as I saw them start um, going into that one isolated area and making it mandatory and telling them they were going to find them. And we're talking measles had less, I want to say it was less than a thousand people. Got it. It was, it was pretty insane. So if they were trying to make that, I could just see that that was, that was a test pilot. So it's no shock to me that, you know, New York of all places is um, trying to pass a bill on this right now. And then you've got these airlines. It's crazy. They're, you know, I just had a friend text me this morning where they're making you, um, they have like a map of all the states and showing orange areas and red areas. And if you're traveling the, uh, Sorry, moving my cat again. Don't mind me. He's trying to knock my mic over. (laughs) It's driving me nuts. I keep putting him on the floor and he keeps coming back up. This is becoming a cat podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So, so yeah, she's got to, like, get a test 72 hours before to, to prove she doesn't have COVID. But then flying back from anywhere... You have to show the test again, so then if it shows positive, and we know how many false positives these wonderful PCR tests are cranking out, then you're stuck there for 14 days, and I guess you just miss your flight. I mean, it's it's insane. It's insane. It is. The whole damn thing is such a shit show. They're trying to make it such a shit show so that when you have to take the vaccine required... Uh, then you're like relieved, like, oh, I don't have to deal with all that BS because I had the vaccine, so now I don't right. have like, quarantine, exactly. you know, all of that. They're wearing so, you down, wearing you down. Mm-hmm. To where you're like, fine, just give me the vaccine. Not going to work for us. Hey, you know, nurses, so there was a survey done on, I think it was, I want to say it was around 13,000 nurses. Now, don't quote me on the exact, but I, I'm very close. It's something like, only 31 or 32% said they would get the vaccine. And it was about 32 or 34% said they would not get the vaccine. And then the rest weren't sure what they would do. So my question is, we already know they've been making it mandatory uh, to get the flu vaccine for a long time. Now, I have a friend who's a nurse who told me, she knows several nurses just at her hospital that if they make it mandatory, they're quitting their jobs. And I suspect this is going to be the case. I mean, we're talking about a, an alleged vaccine that we're already seeing some deaths and balls palsy and side effects. And I mean, the side effects list is unbelievable. I'll have to get you a screenshot on that to throw into this video. It's unbelievable, the side effects for something that is, you know, between depending on age to be between like 95 and 99.9% survival rate. And here we go with the vaccine that I I think, and don't quote me on this was about 95% is what they're claiming that they haven't even done long-term clinical trials on. So we have no idea how bad these side effects could be, but it's not, it's just, Mm. It's crazy. And I suspect that other jobs, other businesses 
are going to require the same thing of their workers. Um, meaning like some, some companies have been working online all this time and they, if they ever do go back, which some of them may choose to stay online, I don't know, but if they ever do go back, I can imagine them requiring a COVID vaccine in order to go back into your office or wherever it yeah. is that you work. I don't know. So I don't know how that's going to work. Um, I don't know that a company, like the healthcare industry is a little different. And I suspect that through, through gosh, I just don't know. But I, I find it hard to believe that individual companies could, could mandate something like that without it being a state law. I mean, the whole healthcare industry is kind of a different ball of wax. I could be wrong, but... I just like imagine all of a sudden some big company saying, uh, we want all of you to get the HPV vaccine or, and you can't work here if you don't. I, I, <laughs> I know. It sounds you know? insane. I, I mean, just, I, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't Same know. Same thing we'll with schools. What, yeah. I wonder, what do you think? Do you think that that schools will eventually move to that as well? You know, saying that if your kids want to go to in-person school oh, they have yeah to. the whole yeah the, in the education system that's that's another ball of wax where they managed to get that in with kids in fact oh where is it in dc i don't know where they're at right now with uh their bill but the a uh, couple months back i know we're trying to put something through that essentially allowed children as young as I think 11 years old to decide for themselves if they want a vaccine and the parents have no say. Oh, here we go. What? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. yeah. It was uh, a bill in, in DC and I don't remember exactly what the bill's called, but it was, it was about, yeah. So, so these are things people have to pay attention to in their states and they have to go speak up and they have to fight these because they're all going to be trying their, their devious little endeavors, you know? And in the meantime, we've got this, this, so, so my question though is what happens to the healthcare industry if you have all these people walk out and say, hell no, I'm not getting that vaccine. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's going to be interesting. I mean, that could swing either way. They hire, they, cheap, they hire cheaper non-qualified labor. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully these uh, doctors and nurses and so forth band together and open, you know, their own practices and where they don't have those kinds of requirements, you know, of you have to have a COVID vaccine to work there. Hopefully. Right, right. Going to have yeah, to start I mean, thinking well, outside the box. You know, Pfizer's got $4.7 billion in fines since 2000. For, I mean, all kinds of, you know, false claims. Um, I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but like mislabeling, uh, safety issues, uh, bribery, all, all kinds of stuff. So <laughs> this, is, this is one of the ones pumping out the vaccines. I'm just not feeling really cozy about that. But so, so part three is what I've been working on. I was 
writing. I was up very late last night working on this. I'm more than halfway done with it. So when we're done with this, I'm actually going to get back to writing. Um, and what I decided to do with this one is this is part three of my five-part COVID report. And this one is focused on nursing homes and long-term care facilities, real number, real data, real statistics pulled straight from the sources. Um, that are pumping this information out, but they do it in a very manipulative, tricky, witchcrafty way to confuse the hell out of people. And, um, you know, like one of the biggest ones, well, actually back to what I was saying though, instead of doing this in normal paragraph form, I'm actually doing this kind of in bullet point form with statistical data and links straight to the sources because otherwise it's gonna get, it's gonna get long. And I'm trying to keep these shorter. But, you know, you guys have seen that video, right, of, like, Dr. Burks, the, who's on the White House, you know, COVID task force, saying how they count um, if you test positive for COVID, you are being counted in the death, whether that was the cause or not. And yep. we've, seen, we've seen several press conferences where people from the task force or people from health departments in, in states or local areas and cities are also stating that because that is what they are in fact doing. So we're talking gunshot wounds, car accidents, heart attacks, strokes, you know, people that are in hospice that have a week left to live. Anyone who tests positive and many of them they're testing postmortem are being counted as COVID deaths. So even though the CDC will tell you in one sentence buried in their website that 6% of all COVID-related deaths show COVID as the only cause on death certificates, what's happening is, and this is intentional, the media, your big pharma stakeholders and politicians are all screaming on and on, 280,000 Americans have died from COVID. It's all from COVID, not with COVID, but from COVID. And you yeah. start re reducing those numbers down and backing into it. And I've done so much insane cross-referencing on this. I'm cross-eyed. Um, just, just to show some clarity here, because we're talking, it's now, it was 40%, but as of this week, it's dropped to 39% of all alleged COVID-related deaths are in uh, coming from the nursing homes and the long-term care facilities. Well, that's an astronomical amount. And if you break that down, 31% of them are 85 and older. And then you start looking at the, you know, the CDC says the other nine of death certificates consist of people with an average of 2.6 comorbidities. Well, you start looking at the comorbidities in nursing homes and it's staggering. I mean, it's way above 2.6. So it's infuriating because if they would just put out the real COVID deaths caused by COVID versus all the other causes who happen to test positive, when we already also sent are asymptomatic in part because these PCR tests are ridiculous then people would see the real numbers. And what that would do is this would take this down to where it's really not a pandemic and the lockdowns become unjustifiable. Yeah, exactly. I can't yeah. do that. So I have so many key numbers and percentages and stuff that I broke down in here um, with direct links to, you know, 
CDC, Johns Hopkins, COVID Tracker, White House, yada, 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 HHS. Um, not only that, they are now requiring that all residents and all staff of nursing homes and long-term care facilities get tested regularly. So <laughs> that's going to throw the numbers too. And when these asshats are basing lockdowns, restrictions, mask mandates, school closures, you know, essential businesses, how many, you know, you can't, you can't hug your family members at Christmas anymore, guys. <laughs> uh, that was a Fauci one. Yeah. You shouldn't be hugging. So, and they want to, you know, they want to cancel holidays and they're basing all of this on case counts, which is a joke when only 10% of people are even showing symptoms and they're basing them on deaths, which are not even the actual deaths, and they've all made this clear. Wow. That's what we're up against. Yep. And, and these are the numbers. This is the key data that people need to keep showing other people, and people need to start, God, I don't know, like obviously opening your businesses, taking yeah. the mask off, making your community aware, but we need a lot of lawsuits here. We need a lot of people like going to bat against these these governors pulling, you know, pulling these on. And these governors know, they know damn well that these are not the actual death numbers. These are just people who happen to test positive. I mean, that's like saying, you know, someone gets shot and killed. And then after the fact, they do, uh, they're doing these postmortem tests to see if they in fact had COVID. Right. And, right. and then just, throwing them in as another death and scaring the hell out of Americans, making them think that, you know, and even with the counts that we're up to, which I think is like 280 something at this point, even with those, we're still at half the amount of how many people die each year from heart disease. Right. It's just perspective, you know? Yes. Yeah. People need to keep things in perspective. Right. Right. And a lot of those, like you were talking about, are the elderly in these nursing homes and facilities who already have comorbidities. And, you know, who knows what they're actually, you know, dying from because they have a number of illnesses simultaneously, but they also have COVID. So let's just count it as a COVID death. Right. There's lots I of that. Mean- over 47% of them have either Alzheimer's or dementia. And the, uh, there was a lot of, so when you go into the CDC and you look at the charts and it'll show like all uh, COVID related deaths and then other causes. And you get the whole list, you know, sepsis, which is the number two in nursing homes that people die from. Um, and all these, all these other chronic issues and you've got Alzheimer's and dementia listed right there. And it's, um, I don't have the number off the top of my head, but it's, uh, oh, actually I do right here. 38,577 died with, with, you know, Alzheimer's and dementia. So, I mean, you start looking at these numbers and breaking them down and um, you've got, you've got end stage renal failure. I mean, I highly doubt that they died from COVID. Right. Right. Um, A lot of these people were already in end stages of their illnesses when they happened to test positive for COVID. So, right. Not only that, the average length of stay, and this took some digging, man, 
the average length of stay, because I kept coming back to this 2010 document and I, I was trying to get something more recent. So according to a 2019 full-blown study that I extracted some data from, um, and this was published through the CDC, there is 485 days, so a little over 16 months is the, the average length of stay, in other words, to end of life. Um, and we're already nine and a half months in on COVID. So you take that and factor that in, and, and obviously these people did not all go into the nursing homes coincidentally at the same, you know, at that starting point of when COVID hit back in February, which we know it hit sooner than that, but for what they're claiming when the nursing home ground zero started in Washington state, right? So right. many of these people had already been in these nursing homes for weeks or months. Yeah. So who yeah. knows where they were at along that, you know, 16 month average there. And so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of telling data points here. Um, Playing with the numbers. That's what they like to do. I know. How, how, how many of these are you going to do, Corey? Four was it? Uh, five total. So, so the first one was on the hospitalizations. And the second one was on the uh, pick, how they're hiding the data, data under pneumonia, influenza, and COVID. And then this one's the nursing homes and long-term care. And then the next one is regarding the tests themselves. And the fifth one is my conclusion and, and theory on some of this, which will have some more data points in it too. Good stuff. <laughs> All right, Pam. That's that. We covered guys, a lot. Covered it, yeah. What are you guys working on? Did What's we decide, speaker? I think we're going to talk about um, China and Chinese spies for Ooh. our next podcast. Yeah. There you go. Now we're locked in, speaker. We announced it. So. <laughs> I <laughs> you had to cut this part I, if you want. I had I hadn't agreed to it yet, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I guess we're doing Chinese spies. Yay! Well, did you guys just see, did you see the, um, I didn't get a chance to read it. I just saw it fly by, but that the house like rammed through some sort of a bill they're trying to get through on having to do with millions of people in Hong Kong, giving them some sort of immigration rights over here. And yeah, you, you're going to want to look into that. If that's yeah. what you're going to be working on, look into that. Yeah, if you've got um, a link, send it. Okay, I'll find it for you. Awesome. Thanks. Sounds like a plan. I love yeah. when a plan comes together. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that one's a little alarming. There's, yeah. I, I won't get into it here, but yeah. We'll have to look into that. All right. Well, guys, thanks so much for joining us today on Dig It with Corey from Corey's Digs, the speaker and myself, The Sharp Edge. Please be sure to share this podcast. We're on Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and for now, YouTube. We'll see you back next time <laughs> right here on Dig It. Peace out. Nice. Good time.